CougarFan.com Rise and Shout Podcast, episode 438. Get all of your BYU sports news at CougarFan.com. Sports news like maybe them adding a game. We're doing this on Monday night, so if they add a game later, this podcast is useless. Nobody is going to be interested in anything that we say for this entire episode if a game gets added tomorrow. Nobody's going to care. People should care about basketball. People should care about basketball. I agree, and people generally do. But when there's big football news, yeah, yeah it's always in that. in November slash first week of December. Well, how tough. about this? We could we could always record a mini show later in the week to talk oh. about that if we wanted. We could. I'm not I mean, promising we, we, we would, could, but we could. I'm promising. It's highly unlikely, that. but that's a thing. Sure. We did it one other time. I what think. was the news? I remember um, this. No, I think we were experimenting between, or did we just never do it? We talked about doing where we'd do a post-game show and then a pre-game show during football season and do t- twice a week. Did we ever end up doing that, or did we just talk about it and never do it? We might have done it one week. I feel and like we did it one like, week. That's stupid. You know who would know? Sweeney would know. Sweeney. Maybe. Maybe. Anyway, uh, Matt, you watched a Christmas movie per my recommendation this weekend. Tell us more about it. I did. So Thanksgiving evening, we were looking for some good family fare, and uh, we uh, we turned on Klaus, the Netflix movie, the Netflix original animated movie. And it was amazing. The kids all loved it. I loved it. Um. Well, actually, let me take that back. My daughter, who is twelve was too cool for the rest of us, so she didn't watch it. But everybody else loved it. A 12-year-old who's too cool for the fam. I've never heard of such a thing. Shocker. And then my 15-year-old son, who's really just kissing up because he's about to turn 16, and there's certain things you want from your parents in terms of your freedom uh, when you turn 16. So he really just, I think he just sat in there to try and get on our good side. But at the end, he was like, that was a really good movie. I thought this was, I when you first suggested this, I thought this was going to be a joke. But this that was really it's, good. It's high quality. It's it is really good. Good voice acting, fun animation. The story, the story great. is very creative, very fun. Um, yeah, it held even my five year old held his attention the whole time. Yeah, yeah. We've now it's great two years in a row, and the little kids have liked it. So you had a good experience with Klaus. Uh, several listeners, including the venerable, the esteemed Alan Seawright. Could not believe that I had not watched Home Alone with my kids. You you said something somewhat similar last week because you said it's a tradition of yours. So we watched Home Alone this weekend. And yeah, it's Alan, funny. Alan, by the way, called it um, Die Hard for Kids. Die Hard? It kind of is. It is. It's totally Die Hard for Kids. So we watched it. Guess what my children thought of it? They thought it was great. They loved it. The yeah. four-year-old has not stopped talking about it since. That is just like my five-year-old. I'll yeah. tell you what. They love it. They love they it. Think it's so funny. And part of it is, you know, and this is that old shtick that Disney does in all their animated films, is you you, re- you remove all authority figures and you put the, this child in complete power. Mm-hmm. Right? And kids love that. They love it. Yeah. Yeah. I would say there's several things in there as a parent that are, you know, shocking and... Yeah, I mean, it's that's supposed to be realistic, but, you know, I, I felt better as a parent. You know, sometimes you feel bad about your parenting skills and be like, 
hey, I'm better than the parents at home alone. Hey, have you seen the meme where it's sometimes I feel bad as a parent, but then I look at this picture of an eight-year-old minor from 1905 smoking a pipe, and I feel a little bit better? <laughs> I have not seen that meme. So, uh, And then we also watched last night the original Miracle on 34th Street. Um, which, oh, that's... Gosh, I hadn't seen in probably a decade. And it, it holds up pretty well. There's some I bet you I've not watched that in over twenty years. It was probably in high school. Clever it is it is clever in the way that, you know, those forties movies had like this dry wit to them, you know? Um it's it's good. I mean it's it's definitely a black I mean, we had several kids moan because it's in black and white, and the four year old and the six year old got bored. Right? Unlike Klaus, it did not entertain the entire family. Uh, the four-year-old was basically doing gymnastics on the ottoman. That sounds so, about right. Um, but but then anyway. it's always a crazy thing about Klaus, right? If you look at the range, because you have the same a similar issue to to mine. Oh yeah. Which is the range of ages of your kids, right? So I'm trying to entertain a five-year-old to a just about sixteen-year-old. You yeah, know, and I'm you're what you, you shift 14? that timeline by a yeah. year, right? Yeah, so yeah. yeah, it's um, it's but to have something that entertains them and you and your wife. I, I can't. I rec- I re- highly recommend Klaus. Yeah, yeah, same great. Here. Same here. All right. Well, let's uh, jump from that bag of toys into this bag of toys, the tweet bag of toys. Tweet bag. Did that work? No, it didn't. Oh, okay. What you should have said is, let's jump from that bag of toys into this bag of tweets. Oh, that's what you should have said. It was. It was a layup. It was yeah. a layup. No, I don't know if it's it was like a layup. You tripped more like on your a- way up. No, no, that was more like a floater. It wasn't a layup. Like, no, the ball didn't even hit the backboard, dude. Like, you tripped, the ball went flying, it was a yard <laughs> sale. The ball's this direction, you came out of your shoes. All right, well, we only got one football question today. Everybody went basketball, per my request. So, and that this one comes from Justin Sweeney. Sweeney! That's at Justin D. Sweeney on Twitter. And, of course, you can tweet at us, at BYU underscore Rice Shout. He says, blackout thoughts. I personally love the look. In 2020, I'm fine with whatever they want to do to make this season fun. But in general, blackout should, in my humble opinion, your opinions are rarely humble, Justin, uh, be every couple of years, huge games, at night, ranked opponent, etc. We Can we burn the Navy unis yet? Hashtag tweet back. So Matt, do you love? We both love the blackouts, right? I love the blackouts, and I love the basketball team wearing them the other night. Yeah, yeah, I think great. the blackouts are great. I would wear them more frequently than Sweeney is suggesting here, but I think they're great. Yeah, yeah. I somehow deleted by accident the question we had gotten like a month ago about the unis. But but here's the thing for me: I want, I want, I want royal tops, white bottoms, royal bottoms, white tops, right? And then I occasionally want to wear a royal helmet. I know that's controversial. Some people don't like that idea. And occasionally do the blackouts. And then you can still do the all whites or the all blues. Since all that means is you're just swapping, right? Um, that would be fine with me. You could do, I guess, occasionally other things. but And just get the blackouts for every, every once in a while. And then have a throwback navy. <laughs> with a bib. Only if you do a bib and some tan. Would would it be cool to do the throwbacks with the bib and the tan? No, 
Those jerseys should be burned. They should be never spoken of again. I think there might they be. They were some the fun. worst. I think it could be fun. The worst. What about the the tan without the bibs? Tan without the bibs. No, so it's, it still has tan. Bibs. No, it still has tan. Mm-hmm. That tan stripe was ridiculous. Um, okay. Especially on the jersey, the tan stripe down the side of the jersey and the under so the bad. armpit and it's down. So bad. Like, what was that about? It was so terrible. It was embarrassing. It was, it was bad. It was not. It was not good. But there was a lot of bad at that time in college football, right? Um, there was a lot of well, people remember, trying to break tradition and do something different. Well, I remember when they did the ones. Then they went to the tan stripe with like the, just the sleeves were a different color, so yeah, it wasn't yeah. a bib. That didn't make any sense. Um, you know what, what? I'll tell you what I thought was cool and shocker. It was in 1998 um, when they had the black stripes. Mm. You remember that? Like the helmet with the blue stripe and the black stripes down either side, and the yeah, black yeah. shadowing on the numbers, and there, there were black, there were black accents. So what I would like to see, right? So you, I, I, I'm with you. You got royal jerseys. White pants, royal pants, white jerseys. Then you get a, the blackout jersey. But then I would do a white on white with the black accents. Now. Yes. No. Now you're just now you're just being silly. No, oh, I think it look, looks cool. So so let me ask you this: When you look at other college football uniforms, give me one or two that whenever you see them, you go, "Wow, that's sharp." Notre Dame, University of Texas. I think Michigan. And I think Notre Dame's are good. Notre Dame's are good for sure. I think, but I think Michigan and I think USC. I mean, I love the Wolverines helmets. You know? Yeah, the, the Michigan helmet is, is cool. I'll give you that. So, uh, who who are you picking as Michigan's next head coach? <laughs> Do you got uh, I may fill out an application. You may fill out an application. Um, Matt Brown, friend of the podcast, Matt Brown, in his have you subscribed? I've subscribed now. I'm now paying him money. I'm a I get the free newsletter. I haven't I haven't ma- taken taken the jump yet. So I don't know if it's the free news newsletter that paid about Scott Frost, Jim Harbaugh, and uh, Tom Herman. When did that come out? Today. Oh, I don't know. I, I haven't maybe. checked. Um, he basically said these were three coaching hires that were roundly like proclaimed as success when they got hired. They were coming back to schools they either had been affiliated with or had you know some connection to the area, and it seemed like all no brainers. Now, to be fair, Harbaugh, Harbaugh did have success after he first came. He's just never been able to beat Ohio State. And Frost, obviously, and Herman are struggling. Uh, but he basically goes, and I believe this true. Tr- this is true, that hiring a coach is way more about the culture of the entire program and luck than it is about the coach themselves. The boosters, did you read that story about Florida State and how everything's gone wrong at Florida State and basically it's the boosters are all like off their rocker? Yeah, but they're, they're not the only program with that problem. But yeah. Oh, no, not at all. Not at all. 
Yeah, you're you're definitely right. Um, and by the way, the worst uh, the worst uniforms in college football belong to Tulane. You really? No, with the green, but none of the rest of it has green. Uh, I I actually don't mind that. I think uh, it. I actually kind of like it. But another really sharp one that I've always liked is Penn State. Uh, no, but, Penn State. You know too what Penn State? Me. But you know what Penn State never does, and Texas yeah. never does. Anything different? Blackouts. They don't do anything different. White They've been outs. wearing the same jerseys with the same combinations forever. Uh, you know, even Michigan has done a couple of throwback things. You got it right I mean, with the jersey. At minimum, I love. I do love a good throwback. I do love a good throwback. Um. Yeah, but if you look, you know, if you look at some of the stuff Tulane has done historically, which I'm just googling now, um, I don't know. I think it's a cool combination. Wah, it's wah. unique. It's a, wah, it's wah. unique. Wah, wah. So unique isn't always good. It's like when people are like bluntly honest and insult everybody, and you're like, oh well, at least they're honest. Well, that doesn't mean you can be a jerk, right? Like honesty doesn't like Trump being a nice person, and also. Uh, uniqueness does not mean that your jerseys aren't terrible. Oregon has unique jerseys. Did you see the Michigan State ones this Saturday? No. one with them. But those aren't. That's not the first time they've broken that atrocity Ugh, out. That's just gross. Absolutely gross. And I know Gary Payne is super excited. He loves when we talk about jerseys. So sorry, Gary. That's it. We're going to move on to our Y Mountain this week, which is men's basketball. So we have some questions. The first one comes from our brother Don. Brother Don. At DP Mangum. He says, how excited should we be about this basketball team? How much does the loss of Baxter hurt? Is a fried donut like a cougar tail really a chimichanga? I'm not even sure what he just asked on the last one. We'll get to that in a second. Matt, on a scale of zero to Jimmer, how excited are you for this basketball team this year? Oh, on a scale of zero to Jimmer? Um... Uh, I am, oh man, I'm drawing a blank on the guy's name. Well, that's I had a really good one for this. This is super lame and not very exciting. Okay. Can you describe who the guy is (laughs) and we'll help you? I'm going to say I'm, no, I don't even remember. I'm going to say I'm Rafael Araujo excited because I'm a special kind of excited here about this one. I was going to say I'm Tyler Hawes excited. And Tyler Haas was a great player at BYU, but he wasn't, you know, Michael Smith or Jimmer or Danny Ainge, right? Right. So Yeah, I'm with you there. The I'm with you there. Uh, how much does the loss of Baxter hurt? Oh, I think that's a big deal. Well, I mean, think of it this way, right? Baxter was, um, I thought, going to be the potentially might have been the second best player on this team. But he had the potential to be. Probably was realistically more like fourth on this team, right? We we won't know. Uh, but, I mean, he had played he played very well in the first two games. And obviously his uh, freshman year, he had uh, looked, looked, uh, looked very good. Um, I think it hurts a lot. I mean, everyone was talking about how deep we are. I don't know if we'll get to that in a second. I think people are overstating that a little bit. But it's a big loss. One to two wins? It might be a one to two win difference. I think, you know, I, I think you were looking to him to play a very significant role 
on the team this year. And I'm not, I, and we, there are several comments in here that we'll go through where people are talking about depth. I'm not sold on the depth. Yeah. I, I, but I don't care about the depth. You just need eight guys, right? They played eight guys last year and we won a bunch of basketball games. You don't need 12, right? You need 12 if you have injuries, but you don't need eight to win a basketball game. I have 12 to win a basketball game. You're not going to play 12 guys anyway. Um, which we'll get to here in just a moment. Um, all right, next. Oh, and is a fried donut like a cougar tail really a chimichanga? I don't know what he even is asking. Is he saying that a cougar tail is a chimichanga? I believe he's insinuating that a fried cougar tail is a chimichanga, but the only thing they have in common is the fried dough. So not everything that... Because the cougar tail is not filled with it's anything, filled correct? With anything. It's just it's like a giant maple bar, essentially. Yeah, yeah, no. So it's not a I, I don't, Come on. unless Come you're, on, Don. I don't, I don't know what you're topping your chimichangas with, Don. But <laughs> maple. I just, I, 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 I fail to see the comparison. Maple but, chimmies. But you know what, Don does remind me of here. What does? I haven't had a of? good chimichanga in some time. I can't say that I've had one in several years for sure. There's a restaurant by my house. It's a good, it's a good restaurant. A chimichanga place. Yeah, I had a chimichanga there once. I've actually been. I think I've taken you there before. Which place is it? Uh, Alicia's. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You've taken. I've been there like twice. Yeah, and I think Don and I have double dated there before. Didn't we We've go triple with triple dated? Uh, I think. Yeah, did, didn't we go with uh, when I was. When Kathleen and I were there last in November last year, I, I think that we did back when the world wasn't weird. When you, we actually went to restaurants, yeah, yeah, and like did triple dates and sat stuff. inside, sat inside, yeah, all that, all that weird stuff that we used to do. Yeah, man, sitting inside in a restaurant, like <laughs> I don't even know if I can do it right. I don't even know if I can do it anymore. What do you do? So I had a friend at work today who said he had to meet with a lawyer for something outside of work. Um, and he basically said that the lawyer, uh, said, well, you, you're welcome to come in to the office. So he decided to go into the office and he said it was really weird. It was like almost uncomfortable yeah. to go into this guy's office, despite the fact that it's just the two of them. They could easily social distance. Um, oh, I, there was an ad administrative assistant in the other room, but he said it was just, it was kind of weird. You yeah, know? it sounds weird. And, and, I'm uncomfortable for your friend, and I don't know him or the attorney. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, or, or her. Um, uh, he did not specify. He did not specify. All right, next question comes from Russell Caldwell off of Facebook. And, of course, if you want to join the the conversation on Facebook, you can do that at facebook.com slash rise and shout. Russell says, hashtag tweetbag. He starts with the hashtag. Can you do that? Is that a thing? It's 2020. You do whatever you do want. Do whatever you want right now. There are no rules. It's no like that rules. Little Caesars commercial where the guy starts to take off his shirt. And they said, put your shirt back on. He says, oh, there is one rule. <laughs> All right. He says, I think BYU basketball fell from 29 to 31 this week in the Sagarin rankings. It doesn't look like they can be explained by strength of schedule. Any thoughts? Um, my thoughts are you in basketball, you don't worry about any of those rankings until everybody's played Six to ten games. Well, here's the thing about the and 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 with all of these rankings, you got to remember that this stuff is also relative. So BYU's movement a couple of spots at this point in the season, like you said, like there's the data is they're so 
so little data that you know one new piece of information can can really change things but there's also things going on around you that have nothing to do with you well yeah and we'll see this later on this will happen BYU will score a win early in this season that we think is a big top 50 win okay and then that team's going to end up not being a top 50 team Right. So the win counts for a lot now, and as that team loses later, we've we've seen this over the years. Um, that that over time you'll see a move where you may have two wins that weekend you go down, but that's because the big win you had, they just lost two games to mediocre opponents. So I, I would say I wouldn't get too worried about it right now. I mean, in the in the the um, Massey combined rankings BYU's 50th right, right now. And I I feel like I feel like that's really the story for us today given the information that we have in front of us look and we look at these rankings I I believe we're somewhere in but probably in between those two numbers. And so and and that's about you know and that's kind of what any, anybody looking at the season might have eyeballed and come up with. Um and that's at this point all we need to be. I think top 30 is too high. Honestly, I think you're waiting. I'm not a big fan. I know they all do it. And eventually that falls out, right, of the algorithm in most of these rankings, your preseason projections. That's the other reason I like to wait till 6 or 10 in is because then that preseason projection is either out of the algorithm or it is a very small part of it. Because BYU... Teams that lose the type of production that BYU lost from last year to this year typically regress and do not, and are not as good of a team. Now that doesn't always happen, right? I mean, things. Uh, but I, I think we should all expect BYU. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago to not be as good as last year. I think thinking of them as a top thirty team until they've gotten some wins against quality competition seems like just kind of a fantasy to me. It's not real. Yeah, but I think I and I hear what you're saying, but I I do think that they're a top fifty team. I think yes, I think they could be a top fifty or top sixty team today. Yes, agreed. But you saw how BYU fans the roller coaster this weekend would oh, destroy geez. Westminster and why anyone cared about the score or how we played on that one. I have no idea. It was a practice with people. Like it's it's it was like the the generals playing against the Harlem Globetrotters, right? Like, don't pay attention to the score. I didn't see anybody throw pies in someone else's face. Nobody pants anybody. It's it's not the Harlem Globetrotters show I remember seeing. (laughs) Yeah, it's a little different. Um, And then everybody against New Orleans, and I watched all three games, okay? Mm -hmm. Against New Orleans, everyone's like, oh my gosh, maybe we're not that good. And then everyone's like, oh, well, we're okay against against UVU. Guys, relax. Those games were irrelevant. None of those teams are good, right? I mean, they're all like bottom third uh, or fourth. Uh, No, I usually divide up into fifths. They're the bottom fifth of college basketball, all three of them. I mean, Westminster is worse than that. None of those teams are going to the tournament. No, they're not going to the tournament. They're not even competing in their own conferences, right? Yeah, so. So, but USC, who we play tomorrow night, recording this on Monday, St. John's is a top 75, probably. Utah State's probably top 100. Boise State, top 100. Utah might be pretty good. 
and then you get San Diego State. This is the stretch where we find out if they're good or not, right? I mean, it won't tell us everything because teams can mature and grow and regress and all sorts of things throughout the season. But these first three games, don't get worried about these first three games, good or bad. Don't get too excited and don't get too down about what happened with New Orleans. I've left you speechless. I don't know what to say except to agree with you. You're without speech. I, well, we all we we all get this is, but this is the beginning of every sports season. This is what everybody does. That's true. That's true. That's what. This is just does. this is just part of being a fan, right? This is true. Oh, we we put up a hundred points on Westminster. We're going to the ship. Here we come. We want Gonzaga. Let's Elite bring him into Provo right now. Elite eight. You know, but it's it's Westminster, guys. Look, Gonzaga taking it to Kansas. Are they going to win the whole thing? They're pretty good. I mean, if we're going to start overreacting, I'd overreact to that. Well, if you go to the Massey composite rankings, oh yeah, they're they're, numero, they're one numero. almost completely across the board. Yeah. I mean, they're just yeah, it's silly. Silly. All right, Sweeney has his second question of the day. Ooh, double dip. Hoops. This team is deep, but no alpha dog yet. That could take over the game. Lots of talent on the floor that likes to pass the ball around. Barcelo seems most likely to take that role. Thoughts? Who's taking the clutch shot Yoli or Haas would take last year? Matt, who's taking that shot? Barcelo. I think it's Barcelo. I, I think the alpha dog is clear. I think, um, you know, it, we'll see. Things will evolve throughout the season. Again, they played three bottom feeders, but... Um, I think I think this is I think he is the guy. Um, I think he is the guy. No, right he now. is the guy. He's definitely the guy. He's averaging twenty one six and three. You know that's something. That's something. Um, Matt, the deep thing. You you had something you wanted to say about their depth. Well, I just I'm trying to figure out what everybody's what what is the data that everybody's referring to that gets them so excited about this about the depth. Because um, we played 12 guys, 14 guys against terrible competition, I think. But it but that's kind of it though, right? I mean, I I don't know, man. I mean, you know, I I see uh, I I am pleased with Colby Lee and Caleb Lohner. Um uh, I I you know what happens after that? I feel like you've got some utility guys that can come in and, and plug. Um, uh, you know, I, I. But like once you, you, when Alex comes out of the game, do you have somebody else you put on the floor who can take who who will hit that shot? Um, that's a great question. Um, I, I that's a good question. I don't think Averett's a good enough three point shooter that you're going to have. He could create his own shot and create shots for other people. Mm-hmm. But I don't... And that's I don't, why you have him on the floor. You don't have him on the floor to take that three-point shot. So no. that's not where I would look for that. No. Uh, Harding, maybe. He's he's shot the ball well so far and has uh, history as a shooter. Um, I, I think... I, I, th- I don't see the depth either. I, I think, quite frankly, with Baxter being lost, uh, we've got depth in the, in the front court thanks to Harms coming in, right? And we'll get to him in a second. I think if you lose Barcelo, this season is going to look way different. So to me, that doesn't say, wow, we've got a ton of depth. What it says is that we may have more depth than we had 
three or four years ago when we were mediocre. I think that's true. But I, I don't look at this team and go, wow, so much depth. Um, but everybody's saying it, so it's got to be true, right? I guess. People are saying it. It's on the internet. Um, BYU to NFL on Twitter says, thoughts on Harms. He looked scared and discombobulated. Love that word, by the way, out there. Also, is Richard Harward the manliest cougar cager ever? All right, let's talk about Harms first before we get to Harward. Um Matt, you and I have watched Harms over the year because we also follow um, Purdue basketball. And what what uh, what are your thoughts on Harms? And you know, he did look in that first game in twelve minutes. He did not play well. Yeah, you know, he was on a minutes restriction. He he hadn't he'd been out. Um, I can't I can't disagree with this that he looked discombobulated, but I I expect him to look more combobulated. Um, as the season goes on, I, you know, I, I think there was enough in there in those first 12 minutes for us to expect to see more of him on the floor. I think if you listen to what Coach Pope said after the game, as he evaluated Harm's performance, uh, he clearly saw some things in there that, that he that he was pleased with. I think most of what we saw there was was shaking off some rust and getting back into the swing of how the how the offense was run and what the team was doing. Um, so I, I think Harm's is going to be fine. I did love in his uh, post game interview. They asked him, you know, hey, this Utah Valley team was pretty scrappy. And he said, well, yeah, I mean, we stole their coach and all their best players. So, of course, <laughs> they wanted to come in here and beat us. It was one of the funniest things I've yeah. ever seen in a post-game interview. I loved it. Loved it. So, but, yeah, I think he's going to be fine. And, yes, combobulated is a word. Uh, combobulated is a word. Good job, you there, buddy. Um, so, Harms last year, if you took his last year uh, and put it uh, in – on last year's BYU team. You know where he would have finished in PER? Where? Second to Yoli Childs. Higher than Haas, higher than Toulson. Obviously very different positions. And last year was kind of a down year off of his sophomore year where he had had better numbers for Purdue. Uh, He's going to be one of our best players. Maybe the second best to Barcelo, maybe the third best, depending on how other people come out. But he was coming back from from that. People are going to get frustrated with him like Purdue fans did all the time if you're expecting this guy to be something that he's not. Purdue fans just get yep. on him all the time. Uh, he is not a scorer, right? He doesn't score a lot. Uh, he is not going to ever be the focal point of the offense. He is not as good of a rebounder as you would hope he would be. Uh, because of his height, um, and he will block a lot of shots and play some good defense and protect the rim. So that's that's the guy you've got. If you want him to score, have 15 and 8, that's not this guy. That's not who he will ever be, I don't think, even with Pope coaching him. And I don't think that's what Pope brought him here to do. No. No, I, I, I think he brought him here to do what he did his sophomore and junior year at Purdue which is more yep. like eight to nine points, four to five rebounds, and a couple of block shots a game, and changes three times Makes as many shots offense, as that. That's right. Makes the offense work around him. And that's and, and that's something that you, historically, when you look back over the past couple of years, when we've had you know big games where we were outsized, um, that's what we've struggled, forcing offenses to have to change their shot. 
or come in a different way or or or, or rework you know or bring the ball back around on their offense and i you know against teams like Gonzaga and some of these where we've struggled with size that's that's what we've needed that's been a missing piece i don't know if it's i don't i'm not going to say it's the missing piece but it's a missing piece so I think Harms is going to prove his value down the stretch. Everybody, let's it just like we shouldn't overreact to what the rankings are telling us. Three games in here against three terrible teams, let's not after twelve minutes jump to a conclusion on Harms. Yeah, I I agree. Uh, what about Harward being the manliest dude? I think he is what we thought he would be, which is he he is like Harms. He's not going to score a ton. He's not the focal point of your offense, but unlike Harms, he's more of a um, he's not going to change shots at the rim, but he's going to go get some rebounds. Yeah, and I'm, I'm, I'm and I'll be honest with you, I'm, I'm struggling here with that. I, I, I think your basketball evaluation of Harvard, Harvard is great, but uh, what's, what's the manliest Cougar Cager center of all time? What does that mean? I, I have some thoughts on it. When I first read the question, I was like, I'm not even sure I would say he's the man, manliest Cougar Cager on this team. Isn't it loner? I mean that guy oh, is like. I was like, going to say, Col- was oh, gonna say yeah, Colby Lee. Lee. Yeah, yeah, that's fair enough. I mean, Loader, my gosh, we talked about it last week, and you <laughs> see him running around out there. He's like freaking <laughs> Thor. He looks like an action figure. He really does. Yeah, yeah, he does. He absolutely does. Yeah, yeah, you're gonna like pull his arm out, and it'll just snap right back in. That's right. Like an old He-Man figure. And 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 what and he can and it's just like his his strength knows no bounds. Like uh, he can so. he, like. He can do whatever. But when I look back historically and thought about tough players that we've had in here, you know, and I made a comment about Araujo earlier today, but one guy that immediately came to mind when I when I read this question and I went back and read a little bit on him today was uh, do you remember do you remember Brett Jepson? Oh yeah, yeah, I remember Jepson. Late nineties center, yeah, yeah. about the same size as Harvard, six eleven, two fifty, out of New Mexico. Now he's his the famous thing with him obviously is and I was at that game against Arizona when he took that cheap shot to the head. Oh yeah, coming yeah, down, I remember coming that. down the court. I mean that essentially ended his career, right? He, he got he had a concussion, never really recovered after that, and uh, didn't come back and play the next season. Oh, um, I'd forgotten about that. That yeah, that, that oh, I remember, I remember watching that and just being sick to my stomach. Right, he's just laying there. I mean, he was out cold, and he's just laying there on the ground. I mean, it was a physical game. Um, they've been they've been pushing on each other and John a little bit, but this guy just whatever Ed, Edgerson or Edgerson, whatever this guy's name is out of Arizona, just just completely outside of the play coming down the court, just wrecks him. And uh, anyway, but you look at this Jepson guy though. Uh, other than that, I mean, that guy was a big tough dude. I mean, this was a guy that after he finished high school, the summer between high school and college, he worked in a refinery on the Navajo, Navajo reservation. Whoa. You know, like it's is an 18 year old kid in a refinery, right? Like he was tough. Like that, that was a tough manly dude yeah. that Brett Jepson was. So when I yeah, read that was... question, that's where my mind went was, was back to watching him play that, that, uh, that 1998, 99 year, at least for the, until he got hurt. Well, our Araujo comes to mind, obviously as, as a tough basketball player, uh, Greg Kite and Fred Roberts in the eighties, um, come to mind. Uh, Nate Austin. Yep. Uh, tough, oh, big Nate guy. Nate Austin was good, yeah. And and then, I mean, this is a little bit of lip service to basketball, but we do have a Kafusi that uh, was pretty tough. 
who <laughs> played basketball a little bit a couple of years ago, who's now uh, kicking around the NFL. So, uh, you know, and and uh, he he definitely was intimidated by no man, for sure. Yeah. He was intimidated by no man. All right. Uh, oh, remember, he, what was that guy's name at Gonzaga with the long hair? Oh, who, yeah, who um, knocked him over. And yeah, like but that guy's in, in the league now, too. Yeah. I, oh, it was awesome. Yeah, yeah. What's hey, his name? Yeah, It'll come to me later. Whatever. Um, Wade Hillam on Facebook says, I know Pope used three these first three games to let everyone play and see what he has. The team is obviously deep and talented. With that said, eventually I believe he'll need to shrink his rotation. From what you've seen, who would be your eight players in the rotation going forward? We know Baxter's out, Matt. So looking at who's left... Let's just say let's let's take the top six. I think are pretty established at this point. Okay. Mm-hmm. Barcelo. Yep. Averett. Mm-hmm. Harding. Yep. Nell. Okay. Harward. Oh gosh, I think I've already up to eight. I'm going to get to eight right now. Loner and Harms and Lee. That's your eight. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Gideon George, I know when you everybody... went to Nell. When, once you went to Nell, I knew we were going to get to eight because oh, you oh. get up into the front court and you 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 had a bunch of more guys that you're going to need to grab for this list. Yeah. Ugh. Maybe I don't know the list because I don't know if I if I had to predict today if I would take Nell or Gideon George. Nell has played a little bit more, played a little bit better uh, than George has. But I think from a defensive standpoint, George might have more value throughout the season than Nell. I mean, because your point guards are are, are Barcelo and Averett, right? That's who's going to handle the ball most of the time. Uh, And and you're just going to have, you know, when Barcelo's out, you're going to have to do a little, you know... We'll see over the next three games this week how that works out when against good competition. But I think that's the eight today. Is Loner, Lee, Harward, Nell, Harms, Harding, Everett, and Barcelo. Yeah, but what's interesting is if if you look at that, I mean what that really is, if you just look at minutes played, um, you know, I know we feel like he's he's been spreading the love around, but if you just if you look at the minutes played there and you remove Baxter. Those are your top. Those are your top eight guys, except for Harms, right? Because uh, he only played the one. Well, and you have to, right. You have to assume that Harms gets more minutes. Yeah. Earlier, right? Yeah, I, and so, that's I, that's why I think again we've got eight, and that's what you need. We had nine, and Baxter was gone. So maybe you have maybe you had ten with Gideon, right? So you had ten. You're down to nine. You're going to play eight. But I don't think we've got twelve guys that could play at a high level in college. Do you? I mean, Wade is that is that idea of if he could ever get back to where he was pre-injuries. But outside of that, I mean, I don't know. There's some potential beyond that, but I don't see anybody this season where I go, yeah, yeah, that guy's gonna that guy's gonna contribute if somebody else goes down. Yeah, I've seen this goes back to this whole thing about depth. I think if you want to talk to a team, talk about a team as being really deep, you've got to be able to get to 10. 
and with Baxter out and say, and let's just say the jury's out on George, because mm-hmm. I, I think in terms of production, what George could bring you in, in, in terms of rebounds and some other things could be valuable. Sure. Uh, so, so maybe you get to eight or nine, but I think especially now with Baxter out, we don't, you don't get to 10. Yep. And so that's, to me, that's when you can say a team is really deep. If you want to, like, I think, I think seven or eight is table stakes if you want to be competitive. Yeah, yeah, right. For sure. Especially in tournaments and down the stretch, because you, you're not, you can't do it with five or six guys. We've seen it. We know that. We've watched BYU teams try and do it. You know, and and it doesn't. It, it on the in the long run, it you don't get there. Yeah. So, do I think we're deep enough? Maybe, right? Because I think we've got maybe I think we've got a, li- a good a good list of eight. Um, you know, and maybe nine, depending on how a couple of these guys like Wade or or George um, shake out over the course of the season. But yeah, we're not ten. And can we have Harward not shoot any free throws? Can we have a designated free throw shooter? Do, I don't think they, that's how that works. Have they I don't gone? Think that's to that how yet? the rule works. This is not quite the Harlem Globetrotters. Because if you look at our team, if you look at our team free throw shooting percentage, you might be concerned. But really, what we're talking about is Harward. <laughs> Jeez, right? guy. We've missed twenty-two free throws, and he's like half of them. Yeah, but he's also taken. Way, way more, more than everybody else. Well, and way I, but, more. But that may be the season, especially if he continues shooting. Anytime he gets down low, if he continues shooting at under 50, they're going to foul him. Right? He's going to have to make some to change that. He may end up leading the team in free throw attempts. But you know what? I, I think It'll that... probably be Barcelo, but... I hear you, and I share your concern, but... In terms of what he's delivered, in terms of second chances on offense, oh yeah, yeah, probably makes up. I don't know. You'd have to run the statistical analysis oh, no, no, no. on he's, he's, whether his offensive rebounds, how many of that's get converted into points. I think he makes up for the difference. Oh no, no, he's a plus on the board. He's an absolute plus, and and sure. he's not going to be the one shooting free throws at the end of a game with the game on the line, right? Not when you have a choice, right? Not if you have a choice. Yeah, yeah. it's going to be Barcelo or Harding or somebody else. Um, and if Nell keeps gonna, hitting, not going to be loner. No, probably not. Uh, if Nell keeps hitting three pointers at the rate he is now, George is going to have a hard time getting playing time out of him, right? If he's shooting yes. forty-five to fifty percent three pointers now, if he's below forty, then you got to really start thinking about the defensive value that George might bring on the on a athletic two or three versus a uh, versus what what Nell brings. And and that may be game specific too, right? Depending on the matchups and depending on how well Nell is shooting that day or week. So predictions, Matt, it's time for predictions. They are scheduled to play 26 games this season. We have no idea, uh, you know, seeing that college football is losing, you know, a third or a quarter of their games every week. Um, I think we can assume they probably won't play 26 can we assume that? Yeah. Okay. All right. But let's assume for a second, go to fantasy land, pre-COVID land, and say they play all 26 of these scheduled games. What I set the over-under at 20 and a half. What you got? I'm taking the under. I am taking the over. Really? 21 exactly. That's my prediction. So what are you, like 18, 19? I was at, I was at nineteen twenty. Nineteen twenty. Okay. All right. So so here's what I think is going to happen. Obviously, we got the three wins already. 
I think they split with USC and St. John's. I don't know which ones. They're both pretty good teams. Then you beat Utah State on Saturday. Uh, then I think you uh, lose, uh, you beat Boise, and then you possibly lose both Utah or San Diego State, or you split that and, and throw a loss someplace else. Then in conference, I'm going to say, despite San Francisco's improbable victory over Virginia, who just loves losing to teams that are not nearly as good as them, one versus 16 seed. I, it's just historical. It's just a thing they do. Um, I would say this. I think you split with St. Mary's, you get beat by Gonzaga twice, and you don't lose again in the conference. I, I That's See, what I think happens in conference. So it really depends on what happens over the next two, two three weeks to whether you can get to that 21 games. 21 wins. I'll I mean. tell you what. You and I are pretty close here, as would be guessed by the number of wins that we threw out being close. Right. So being one mathematically, yeah. it, it works out. But I think, and, and I feel like I say this every year, and maybe this is just my cop-out analysis for BYU basketball. But I think you're right on Gonzaga. I think you, I think we dropped two. Um, I think we, I think beating St. Mary's twice is a tall order. I think maybe you, maybe you beat them in Provo and you lose on the road. If you do split, I think there's another conference game out there that you drop. Maybe it's San Francisco. You know, I, I don't know who it is, right? But I think there's some other conference game out there that you drop. Um, you know, and then and then you know the the same ones you talked about, Utah, San Diego State. Those are going to be tough games. I think San Diego, San Diego State's pretty good. Well, and to be fair, last year in conference, uh, BYU was 13 and three before the season came to an end. Gonzaga once uh, and St. Mary's once, and then the inexplicable loss to San Francisco on the road. Yep. So even in Pope's first season, which was really, really good, um, there was still a loss, right? Um, to somebody you should have beat on the road. So you're probably right. I, I, I think... I, I could buy that. I just think they they might do even better than what I've got to start off because they should be better than Utah this year. But Utah looks decent so coming into the year. So it's not going to be like a couple years ago, right, where Utah's kind of a joke and he must not be named. His, some of his evil powers have returned. Must yeah, have. I think that Utah team's going to be decent. Yeah, they're going to be decent. But the best team we're going to play pre-conference is likely San Diego State. And that's the game where if they can hang with San Diego State, maybe even win it. That's the game that is your ticket to the, the big show, to the big dance, if you could win it. Yeah. That's a marquee win, right? The best chance we got outside of the two shots will have it, the number one team in all of the land. All right, uh, leading scorer this season, shocker, Matt. I'm going to call Barcelona. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and just agree with you there. Okay. Does anybody expect something different to happen? Over under eighteen and a half points a game. Over. Uh, let's see. Last year we had. 
I had already looked all this up, and here I am looking it up again. And uh, I'm going to take the under, just barely. I think we're going to have to spread it around more, and Barcelo's going to get shut down a little bit and become more of a facilitator in some games. Um, let's do leading rebounder. Last year, of course, you might have uh, heard of a guy. His name's Julie Childs. He averaged eight per game. Uh, leading rebounder will have over under seven and a half rebounds a game. Seven and a half a game. Yes, sir. And by the way, it's Harvard, right? Yeah, and I'm going to say under. I'm going to say under, but just barely. I think you'll be close to that. Uh, leading assist man last year, of course, um, TJ Haas led the team with 5.7. I'm going to go at 4.2 over under. I'm just got now. I got to do math. I'm taking the under there, but that's close. I'm going to take the over, and I'm going to call that it's Barcelo. Oh, really? Yeah, not Averett. I'm calling Averett. I think... Averett. Now, now, they did a thing where they talked to his mom oh, about how to pronounce yes, it correctly, Averitt, and I right? think I'm still getting it wrong. I'm, it's I'm, Averett. No, it's Averett. McCann messed me up from the games. Didn't yeah, I think they asked, his, they asked his mom, and she said it's Averett. Yeah, because didn't in that first game weren't McCann and... Um, yeah, they were saying it they Averett were saying or something. It, no, they were saying it different. Each of them was saying it different, and I assumed McCann knew what he was talking about. See, that was your first mistake. Well, I mean... I'm his, just kidding. McCann typically knows what he's talking his, about. I'm just messing around. His partner typically does not. Oh, by the way, did you see Tavaneri bagging on him during the game? During the game? I did Tweets. not. Ouch. Ouch. Basically, like, hey, uh, they need a color guy that's actually played basketball. It is bizarre. I'll admit it is absolutely bizarre that you've got a former backup quarterback who played high school basketball as the color guy. It's bizarre to me. Uh, you should have a former college basketball player. We don't have somebody that could do that. Oh, that yeah, used of to course play you do. For us. That's, that all along the Wasatch Front, there's a bunch of them. Entertaining, more entertaining than him because he's not very entertaining either. Uh, again, you know, I've been harsh on him over the years. Doesn't Hanson do live like right there somewhere they, in Utah County? He do. could do it. A bunch of He'd them. He'd be do good, it. I bet. A bunch of them do it. I mean, as you saw with pulling Riley Nelson out of the stand to do the radio, you can find somebody that's entertaining. Obviously, Riley Nelson was entertaining as a player too. Any comment he made, but um, <laughs> he was great. High five and reps with his long reps. hair. That's right. Oh uh, man, I've come hair, a long way on got Riley long Nelson. Hair at BYU. Um, Apparently everybody has long hair. So it's tournament, cool. does BYU make the NCAA tournament? Yes. As an at-large. Yes, yes. I agree. I agree. Uh, percent chance that they beat Gonzaga in a, a W. Are they even having a WCC tournament? They are as of uh, now, right? I don't know what the rules are anymore. Well, I don't think they have to. I think you could opt out of having a, a tournament. Hey, and just send your regular your season. Regular season sure. champ. I think the percent chance of that is zero. <laughs> I statistically speaking, it, it's it's not greater than zero, but it is. But it is. All right. It's it's it's. Guess what? It's not going to happen. Percent. But we're both very excited about basketball. They've got a really important couple weeks coming up, so we're going to have a chance to talk both hoops 
and football over the next few weeks for sure. Um, so this anyway. is going to be a fun team to watch. It's yeah. going to be a great team to watch. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. I, you know, we've talked about some of these games that are going to lose, but I and and how fun this football season has has been. I, I think that uh, we're we're in rare territory here where we're gonna have a we're gonna have a very fun football season followed right up by a very fun basketball season. Um, yeah. So we should just if you, as BYU fans like just buckle up and enjoy the ride. These guys yeah, have worked sure. very hard and it's gonna pay off here. And uh, oh, so now it's Mad Libs time. It's game time. Game time. Game time. Ooh. Game time. Ooh. All right, here we go. I'm throwing one in here that's not on the list, but we're gonna start with it. Love it. BYU fans who are tweeting at Tom Homo about scheduling issues should blank. BYU Mad Libs. Is it just, can I use an insert a phrase? Yeah, you can insert whatever you want. There's no rules to this game. They should get a hobby. You have uh, too much time on your... I've got a better one. I got you need a to get a hobby. One. They should shut their freaking traps. Guys, do you think Tom Homo is just sitting around going, oh, you know what? That was a really good idea from Random Fan. I should schedule Miami. Nobody Why didn't I think of that? wants because to schedule Because if I just call us. Miami, they're going to just say yes. Because this is totally up to me. Morons. <laughs> Morons. Listen, if you're tweeting at Tom Homo, stop. Like, if you've composed the tweet, delete it. Unless you're <laughs> tweeting at him, great job, Tom. But he put together a 10-game, actually should have been 11, it, except for the Army game, right? 11-game college football schedule. In an He's done something that nobody else in the country managed to do. Ah, Liberty and Liberty did it. They're an independent. But we got a better uh, schedule than they did. Are they receiving any that, of the type of attention we are? Now, I understand some of that is historical, but... Some of that's historical, and their quarterback is entertaining. I've I've seen a little bit of them, and he's no Zach Wilson though. By the way, watching uh, Mitch Trubisky play last night, e. I thought to myself, "Gosh, Wilson could step in today and be a better quarterback for the Bears today." I'm not saying he'd be right. all pro, but he'd be he might not than be Trubisky the starter today. in 2021, but he could do better than the whatever that was. Oh, Trubisky's terrible. And of course, Trubisky obviously... Trubisky was a miss. Trubisky was a swing and a miss. But that's what... Uh, this week... Uh, how about this? Another one. Uh, another fill in the blank. Taysom Hill's second start was blank. Vindicating. Predictable. He didn't have a great passing day. And... I just think people forget how hard it is to play quarterback in the NFL. Most people who try it fail miserably. Guys, think about this for just a minute, okay? Three years ago, the Philadelphia Eagles won a Super Bowl. Tonight, they are, as we are recording, they are playing for a chance to sit alone at the top of their division, if not conference. Okay? But sit at the top of their division. They're playing for first in their division. Carson Wentz, who was like... The toast of the town a year ago has turned the ball over 18 times and is about to lose his job to Jalen Hurts. Right? Like you it, 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 at the at the NFL level, keeping a starting quarterback position 
is supremely difficult. Yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, I mean think look- about it. Bowles took him to the took him to the bowl. His quarterback was, rating in twenty seventeen was not good enough to stick around. Wentz, w- before he got hurt, okay, the year they won the Super Bowl and Foles took over and, and and did that, he was statistically the best quarterback in football. Think about that for a second. That was three years ago. And now he's going to lose his job to a quarterback that couldn't keep his job in college. Yeah. And that's nothing against Hurts. I think Hurts was a very good college quarterback uh, and may end up being an okay NFL quarterback. I don't think he's a superstar in the NFL. But it's really, really hard. And evaluating quarterbacks is hard, right? Ask all the teams that passed on Tom Brady and Russell Wilson how they feel about that. Or... All the teams that passed on Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers, who were still first-rounders, but, you know, a bunch of teams could have used either of those guys, right? Well, people had the same knock on, on Russell Wilson coming out of school that you just placed on Jalen Hurts. Yep. Yep. Oh, for sure. And he was short, right? I mean, there's a lot of a lot of things. So, I mean, Taysom may be fine. I hope he succeeds. Playing quarterback in the NFL is really, really hard. And he yep. may not succeed. And that's okay. He came back. He got his shot. And and I hope he does. I really do. And I think he can. I just think it's really hard. All right. Uh, the college football playoff will have blank teams from outside of the P5. Zero. Zero. Does anyone... Why do people think Cincinnati and or BYU have any chance whatsoever? They see those graphics from ESPN that give them a shot. And what is this percentage likelihood? This is like these numbers you and I make up on the spot. From what is the <laughs> likelihood that BYU beats Gonzaga and all this? We just make this. We just pull it out. It's seventy-four point six percent of all statistics are made up on the spot. It's true. That's and, a true fact. And so is that one. Like, what is the? I don't. What is the math behind that? Right? What is the computer? What is the what's the formula to get to that number? It's 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 meaningless. The no team outside of the P five is going into that in, into the playoff. It's the, it's not going to happen. The only chance I, I you and I talked about this at the beginning of the season when the Pac twelve and the Big Ten were sitting on the sideline. Then a non P five had a shot. I don't think a great one, but they had a shot just because there was the possibility of you know you have an SEC champ and an ACC champ and a Big Twelve champ. And you may just have some awesome G5 school out there. And in that scenario, it's possible, not very likely, that you could sneak someone in. Now, once the Big Ten and the Pac-12 started to play, it went back to zero. Because as we saw last week, the reason BYU is ranked low, and we talked about this a little bit, but I don't think we got into it enough, the reason BYU is ranked low is because they don't want to give a second at large bid to a non P5 school. They contractually have to give one to a G5 school. They don't have to do anything for us. So by putting us low, it makes it so that when they exclude BYU from the new New Year's six, they can just say, Oh, well, you know, they just weren't good enough. When really what it's about is handing Iowa State twenty five million dollars instead of handing us twenty five million dollars or twenty or whatever right. it is. So anyway, all right. Zach Wilson will finish blank in blank place in the Heisman Trophy for the Heisman Trophy. 
Third. I was going to say the same thing. Third. I think it's Trask and Mac Jones and then Zach Wilson. I agree. Trask is playing. Oof. As we talked about a couple weeks ago. Kalani Satake will coach BYU until blank. He retires from coaching football. Till the cows come home. I don't know. I'm just kidding. Um, I'm going to say I was going to put in a solid year. I'm going to put till 2027. How about that? Dude, the guy's like in his early 40s. I know he could coach for a long time. He coached forever. Yeah, and you and I have totally. talked about this before. BYU is not going to fire a coach from mediocre football. They're, they're not going to fire him for that. No, they will fire him if he, if he can... doesn't run the program correctly. And Kalani gets it in terms of what they want. And if he can out of put the together a season like this every once in a while, every three or four years, they'll even let better. him stay as long as he wants. They'll let him stay as long as he wants. And then when he's done, they'll name a building after him. That's right. And that's right. Like, that's just, you know, I, I, yeah. Or maybe it'll be Kalani Satake Field at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. We. Um, Look at Chuko. Uh, Mark Pope will coach at BYU until blank. Until he gets us into the Elite Eight, and then he leaves. Until he does, until he has a shot at the Kentucky job was what I was going to yep. say. So what we're we're probably year two three years away from that. Um, I don't know. The other question I have is obviously Pope doesn't have a connection to BYU the same way others could have, but neither did Rose, right? He didn't play at BYU. Uh, I just, my question is, does he fall in love with coaching here and say, I'd rather be a legend here than go someplace else? No, I don't think he does. I think Pope is hungry. And I think he's. I think Pope has dreams and ambitions that uh, I think we're, are going to supersede that. And I can't fault him for it. Yeah. Because I think he's capable of everything that deep down he he wants yeah. to get out of his career. I think no. he. I think he is that. Ty- I think he's that level of a coach. Yeah. I. I don't disagree. I think he's great. I. A small part of me just hopes he falls in love with coaching at BYU and decides to stay here for fifteen years. It would be great because we would be good for 15 years. I just don't think I just don't think it's likely. And you know what? When and if if he does leave at some point, and when he does, and we can write this down, I'm not going to hold it against him. No, I'm not going to either. And I and I will wish him all the success in the world where he's going. He's not Gary Anderson, right? He's not going to burn bridges at like four different. Did I just see that he got and then hired come somebody? back a couple years later? And then I don't know. Very weird. Did very I see weird that on situation. Twitter that Gary Anderson? Uh, really? Got hired again? Where? I don't know. I think I think somebody was just like speculating that he he will get another job on Twitter. That would be very weird. And if you um, if you Google Gary Anderson, you'll also find out that he has a uh, namesake who's a dart champion. Huh. Oh, who Good for him. All right. Well, anyway, Matt, that's the show. Um, again, this one might be irrelevant by the time you listen to it, depending on if there's any scheduling announcements. And we make no promises about a second show this week to discuss that. But if they I'll do make play, you promise. What's that? It's very unlikely. <laughs> and, but, but the good news is if they do schedule one and they play this weekend, we'll talk about it on next week's show. We sure will. Because that's what we do. 
That's what we do. All right. Well, thanks, everybody, for downloading and listening. We hope you enjoyed this week's show, and we will catch you next time. Go Cougars!